So, Aaron, thus far, you've heard the story of a kid who didn't know how they fit into the world. The story of someone finding the things that they loved and the hobbies that would someday define them. But today, I want to tell you a slightly different story. Mm -hmm. This is the story of a woman who... Okay, well, she still didn't fit into the world, but at least now she was more confident in her internal picture of herself. Even if there were some big, big details still missing, like her pronouns. She was a freshman in high school, still an outcast amongst most of her fellow students, but intentionally and happily pursuing her niche interests. Then, one fateful day, she went to a theater in small-town Indiana and saw a movie that would go on to found the most successful film franchise in the history of the world. A movie that seemed catered to her very specific interests. This, Aaron, is the story of how I found a community of millions who loved the same things I did and took my love of the niche and validated it into something more. Aaron, this week, I'm still inspired by the Marvel Cinematic Universe. get started i just want to warn you uh and apologize for both the industrial revolution that is raving on our roof right now as well as the souls of the damned who have lost their souls to the industry uh that are howling outside our window we have a windstorm going on right now and it is fucking up the turbine on the apartment complex building as well as somehow perfectly finding a harmonic frequency outside our windowsill (laughs) yeah it's loud there's ghosts and uh I guess they're really excited for Marvel Cinematic Universe because they they're so, loud. So, uh, I think this goes without saying as we talk about this. Spoilers ahead. Um, I will try not to do spoilers. Um, I, I don't know if I'm gonna need them, but spoilers ahead probably for at least the Infinity Stone arc. If I am gonna say a spoiler, I will say it right. I I will give a spoiler warning right before I say it, especially because if we're gonna spoiler. If we're going to spoil any movie, it's going to be Endgame. Yep. Um, and Endgame is still relatively new. So if there are spoilers, it's for Endgame. Uh, and I will try and be spoiler-free otherwise. Wait. Okay. With that out of the way, let's talk Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. So I was the kind of kid who loved shitty superhero movies. <laughs> and, like, I liked... The Mar- the the original Fantastic Four movie, which I guess wasn't really I'm original. I'm sorry? <laughs> but the one that starred Chris Evans as Human Torch, that one. Um, I actually enjoyed that movie. I also liked some of the other, like, bad superhero movies. Were, like, you, were you doing the Spider-Man 3 dance? Oh, I don't know if I did this. I don't think I did the Spider-Man 3 dance. That was Shuffles cringy arms. even for me. Shuffles but I actually arms. liked the Spider-Man 3 movie, except for that bit. That bit I could have done without. Um... And I think, like, it it all comes back to something I've talked about a lot previously in other um, episodes. Or, or so far, the other, what, two that I've, I've done. Um, I love, like, stories about people who do superheroic things, right? Like, Kingdom Hearts is the story about a normal kid who goes on to save the world. Maximum Ride is the story about a decidedly less normal kid 
who also goes on to save the world. Like, I was a sucker for the superhero genre. And granted, my favorite superheroes were superheroes like Maximum Ride and Spider-Man, where they were people who were much more like me, who turned into heroes for some other reason. Um, now, that being said, I was also a huge fan of tech. I may someday do, like, an episode on Star Wars, or, or Star Trek and Star Wars, because I love sci-fi, and I love both of those franchises. So all of that comes together to kind of bring up the fact that I like superhero movies and superheroes who use tech even before it was cool. <laughs> I, I thought they were just fun. I liked the, you know, the video games that had superheroes in them, which there weren't many of. Um, I liked... Oh my god, books. you just threw me for a fucking... Do you remember the Incredible Hulk video game on the GameCube? Never played it. That was my fucking summer one year, and I feel like nobody acknowledges its existence, <laughs> but I that was one of the games that I spent until like 7 a.m. every night, quote-unquote, just fucking wrecking shop in this shitty game based off of this shitty version of the Hulk from 2001 on the fucking GameCube. Oh my god, that fucking nostalgia trip. I I a hundred percented the Iron Man movie tie-in game. There was an Iron Man movie tie-in game? First off, there, there was. was a game. <laughs> there was. It wasn't very good. It got the flying right, though, which was important for me. Oh, cool. Um, anyway, okay. So, backstory. All that stuff. I loved superheroes probably way more than I should. One of my favorite MMOs was City of Heroes. Mm-hmm. Like... It was a problem, okay? And and the, the superhero... The stories that I was writing because of Maximum Ride were superhero stories. All of these things... And what's interesting about this is, by the way, I didn't like comic books that much. I wasn't a fan of the medium. Um, I, I sometimes liked reading them, but I never got that invested in the storylines. And if anything, the thing that interested me most about comic books was the lore. And, like, you know, the, the stuff about, like, how the superhero's powers worked. And, like, even to this day, I read articles about what's going on in comics because I find it interesting. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to read the comic itself. Mm-hmm. Like, there are some exceptions to that. My graphic literature course in my senior year of high school kind of changed my perception. And I really like That's a cool-ass fucking course. I wish oh, we had that. so fucking good. Anyway, so, again, keep in mind, like, I think Iron Man was 2008, right? So, it's That's 2008. Right. I'm a freshman in high school. And... I have this love of superheroes, but I also have this love of superhero movies and I'm used to them sucking, yep. right? Like I still liked them. Bat I, nipples, I liked, bat nipples. I liked the Green Lantern movie when I saw it. <laughs> I'm an idiot. It was it was a fair matinee that I saw with the dad I don't speak to anymore. <laughs> fair. Um, so all of that kind of boils together to the night that Iron Man released i think probably that weekend we went to go see it as a family mm-hmm. and like regardless of if this movie had sucked dick i was gonna love it because <laughs> that's who i am <laughs> i love these movies mm-hmm. and then you get into the iron man movie and you see for probably the first time a movie that feels like it was written by the same people who wrote the comic books mm-hmm. it's true to the character it doesn't there's no moments where you're looking at it like the heck are you doing, right? Like, Spider-Man 3, we just talked about. You watch Spider-Man 3, and you don't tell me whether he starts doing that fucking dance that you aren't thinking, what were you thinking when you wrote this fucking movie? Yep. You absolutely are. Even though the Spider-Man trilogy up to that point was held up as, like, one of the best superhero movies, it was still just mediocre. 
It was yeah. pretty good, but it's not going to stand up it was the good test for, of time. It was good in comparison to all the fucking X-Men bullshit that we had thrown at us, and the fucking... I need to have the stated bat nipples. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, no. Well, DC movies have always been bad. Yeah, that's that's true. Well, that's not true, because the Batman Returns trilogy was really good, which I don't remember had... Batman. Did that start... Not Batman Returns. Sorry. Um, the one that had Dark Knight in it. Batman Begins. Oh, yeah. Batman Begins. Batman Begins came out before Iron Man. Wow. Yep. I yep. forgot about that. Yeah, but Batman Begins was also not that good of a movie. <laughs> no. Batman Begins wasn't. Dark Knight was. Dark Knight was fucking Batman killer. Batman Begins was good. Dark Knight was amazing. Anyway, we're getting off topic. So, so I also loved Batman Begins, right? Because I'm that kind of kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was a little, I also will say I was a little too young for Batman Begins to really like hit me hard like Iron Man did. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm just now a freshman in high school. I have all these interests in these things that are niche, but because they're niche, they make me an outcast. And mm-hmm. I was bullied in high school for many reasons, unfortunately. Um, and I, I dealt with like, you know, having a very small circle of friends. And I was that kind of kid who thought they were cool, but no one else thought they were cool. That was me. Uh, so I, Iron Man was important as a movie for a bunch of reasons. Um, it was important for me because again, it was superheroes done right for the first time. And by the way, if you haven't caught on, we're going to be doing this since we're talking about the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're doing this episode, or I'm doing this episode a little differently. We're going to talk about three or four different movies instead of like specific inspirations about those movies. Because I think the... A la my Edgar Wright. Yeah. Well, and I think the thing that stands out about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the reason why... So so for those listening, originally this was an episode about Iron Man. We were just going to talk about the Iron Man movie. Um, and then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, Iron Man as a movie by itself isn't the thing that inspires me to this day. The thing that inspires me is the, the whole cinematic universe, which we're going to talk about soon. So, so I'm going to hold up kind of the key points there. But jumping back to Iron Man... Um, Again, it, it did the character right and it did the character justice. And because it did that right, on top of that, it was successful as a movie. It had fantastic visuals, which actually surprisingly still hold up to this day. Yeah. I mean, it's a decade old. Like, there are other decade old movies that do over not Over a decade up. old. Yeah, over a decade old. Um, so it's, it's a movie that holds up visually. It holds up from a storytelling perspective, I think. And I don't think it has the best story of the MCU. I think, um, like, Iron Man... I think, personally, like, Iron Man 2 and 3 have better stories than Iron Man 1 did. If we're just talking about, like, within the Iron Man, like, I think um, Spider-Man Homecoming has a better story. But Iron Man as itself, it did a lot. It established a universe. It established this idea of these teasers at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. to set up later movies. And above all, it was successful. Yep. The grit at the start of it. Like, the thing... Oh for those gosh, who haven't yes. seen it, just... You get cocky Tony Stark, and you're like, Oh, I bet he's gonna go back home, and he's gonna show off his alcoholism, and he's gonna do this. No, he gets fucking bombed in an RV yeah. as he's showcasing his thing, and then he winds up in a cave with a bunch of terrorists told, Build us a super weapon, just yeah. like you just demoed, and then he builds the Iron Man suit out of that, and it's the most, like amazing real grit like oh shit this is actually an interesting story right now mm-hmm. and he immediately gets his ass handed to him by his own he gets hoisted by his own batard and i was like yep. oh i don't see this a lot in superheroes that's not just very contrived yeah and i think that's i think that's something important to, to recognize about iron man is a lot of other comic book movies were just trying to be comic book movies but iron man told something 
that resonated whether you were a fan of superheroes or not, mm-hmm. right? Like it told this story of this billionaire guy having, who has had everything handed to him and has been super successful. Yes, he's a super genius, but he's successful on the backs of murdering other people because mm-hmm. he's a weapons dealer. And yet it deals with him having to face those problems. It deals with him having to face the outcomes of the choices he's made. And it does it in a way that is, again, really gritty. Like, he gets wrecked in the first five minutes of that movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, like, that's a maybe a reason, like, I'm no film critic, but I suspect that's a reason why it was so successful. Not just wrecked, but wrecked by his own weapons. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, and so all of that kind of ties together into something else that was really important. Because remember what I said earlier, I was going to love this movie regardless <laughs> of if it was good or not. But it was good. And it was good in a way that was like broke box office records. Mm -hmm. It sold well. It did well. It was a superhero movie that people said was actually a good superhero movie. And all of a sudden, this thing that I loved, that was a niche interest for me, where it was always weird to like these superhero movies because everyone knew they were bad movies. And if you liked it, it's just because you're that kind of person. Now, it was a different conversation. It was a conversation about these people who I used to not have much in common with saying, wow, I loved that movie. And then wanting to know more about the nerdy things that I loved. Like, all of a sudden, a bunch of people that before had said superheroes were stupid were like, this movie was amazing and I want to go know more about Iron Man. Like, for someone in high school who had been bullied their whole life, seeing other people love the things that I loved in a way that was public and obvious was so critical. And it, it it took, remember what I said earlier that I was a person who I was doing the things I loved, even if I wasn't confident in them. And this was the first step in normalizing the things that I loved. And I think you've seen it up to this day with, with pop culture, right? Like, the Marvel Cinematic U- Universe in many ways paved the way for other things that were nerdy to become more straightforward. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the Star Trek movie would have been as successful if MCU hadn't come a year earlier and popularized pop, pop culture. Right? Like, and, and again, like I said, I love Star Trek. So all of a sudden in the span of like five years, all these things that were like stupidly nerdy and that got me bullied as a kid in, in, in high school were big budget blockbusters that were popular across multiple like categories of people. Like think about if if you aren't aware, validation is important. And <laughs> being validated in the things that I liked and and suddenly having all of these things that I had known for a long time were fabulous and amazing and now having everyone else agree on them was huge. That sense of camaraderie is just really important, you know. Absolutely. And I don't think, like, I would not say I'm a huge, like, like invested in the Marvel fan base, right? Like, I subscribe to the subreddits, and I go see every Marvel movie, but, like, I don't go to, like, Marvel movie meetups or anything. Like, well, th- well, that's the thing. It's like, I almost guaranteed know that I can start talking about the Marvel movies, and there's somebody at my workplace, somebody at the store we're at, who's going to know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about, and might... Has, has a pretty good chance of chiming in with just as much passion, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, in a way, it's taken something that I've experienced in the furry fandom in a very niche thing and taken that same kind of camaraderie and 
popularized it Mm -hmm. because the people who liked Marvel were used to being kind of viewed at as geeks or weird. Like comic book fans were always kind of weird. And now some of our favorite comic book heroes are big budget movie stars, Mm -hmm. literally. Um, And it's, I know I've said this, I've said this a bunch this episode, but it's, it's so critical to have that happen because it, it brings something that was small and makes it huge Mm -hmm. and huge on a scale that I don't think we've seen before. Now, that being said, Iron Man by itself wouldn't have been enough to cement this in my head as the things that I like are valid. Mm -hmm. But then we got more movies. (laughs) We got The Incredible Hulk, which is kind of an outlier because they completely changed. I fucking loved that version. It's a good movie. I wish, I almost wish Ed Norton stuck with it, but I also really love mark ruffalo and so i just wish mark was the one originally cast (laughs) yeah agreed agreed and i think like the incredible hulk for the longest time i thought wasn't canon because it switched actors it wasn't until avengers that i knew it was canon it switched actors so many times because there was a fucking hulk movie before that (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and then we had you know we had the captain america movie which actually did really well but the next kind of tentpole in this whole thing and and proving like like why this is an inspiration is the first avengers movie oh god yes because the first (laughs) avengers movie showed that this concept worked (laughs) (laughs) not even in tune (laughs) i'm not in tune (laughs) um now all of a sudden this big blockbuster movie did something that we'd never really seen before in a movie Think of all of the superhero team-up movies you've seen before this. Like the Fantastic Four. X-Men. X-Men. They were not team-up movies in the way that Avengers was. The team-up movies before this were setting up this idea that they were going to tell you the individual stories of each hero involved. Justice League did this, which was Mm -hmm. after the Avengers, and is the reason Justice League is so shitty. Yeah. Justice League and, like, the Fantastic Four and other movies like it used the team-up movie where you see all of the people individually. And maybe Fantastic Four is a bad example because they're always a team and they're not individual heroes. I mean, still. But the Justice League is a great example of this, where they took all of the heroes and stuck them together and said, we're going to use this movie to tell you how all of these heroes get their start so then they can all have their own individual movies. Yeah, that's the thing is they all start with, like... It's almost like they're all isolated into their own unique worlds with, like, the closest you come to crossovers mid-movie. Uh, I think Batman might appear in a Superman movie or something. And Batman versus Superman, I never saw. But there's something about them actually being in the same environment and mm-hmm. watching. And that's the closest you get. And it's, like, years after the first fucking movie comes out. Yep. And there's no integration between the characters. So it's yeah. like you're taking a checkers piece, a chess piece, and something from Plinko and then throwing them together going, I guess we got to play Vidya now. <laughs> like, they don't fit. They don't mesh together. Well, and they, they're from totally different environments is what it feels like with Justice League. Well, yeah, and Justice League also was the first time, like, Cyborg appeared, right? Yeah. Like, you don't launch a hero in the middle of a team-up movie. But I think, like, before this, before Avengers, that's what you did, right? Like, X-Men, you didn't see individual stories of X-Men. You saw the X-Men movies, and then you got X-Men Origins Wolverine, which was bad. Um, But Endgame... Or not Endgame. The the first Avengers movie Mm -hmm. flipped that completely. Mm -hmm. The first Avengers movie did not give a 
crap if you'd seen any of the other Marvel movies because it wasn't going to bother explaining them to you. It just made the assumption that you had and said, if you haven't seen this, that's your problem. We've got shit to do. Hey, Iron Man, I've known that for the past 40, 50 years. Oh, cool, there's Hulk. Hey, Captain America, cool, like, you know. (laughs) Well, but more importantly, it's so easy, and we see it with Spider-Man. Every Spider-Man reboot we've gotten told us the the origin story. How many times have we seen Uncle Ben shot on screen? Avengers <laughs> didn't do that. Avengers said, these other movies are here for you to go watch. If you want to know their origin stories, go watch those. This is our Silmarillion. Back. Now you can come and watch The Hobbit with us and enjoy. <laughs> exactly. Right? Like, you can see this stuff and 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 then come back here. It didn't baby the audience. It made the expectation that you had seen it. And that took... To, to me, anyways, that took the MCU and elevated it from a bunch of good superhero movies to a cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. And again, like, it's in the name. It's the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe. But the Avengers cemented it because it said, I'm going to respect the time of our dedicated fans. I'm going to expect you to have seen these movies. I'm going to respect you enough as an audience to not think you're a moron but also give you something so that if you haven't seen it you'll still enjoy it (laughs) yeah it's the movie at a base level is enjoyable even if you haven't watched any of the previous movies but for someone like me who goes to see every fucking marvel movie (laughs) you get so much more out of these avengers movies and this is why by the way aaron i made you watch all of this before we saw endgame i don't regret it was very fucking good. It, it was good. very fucking good. Really good. I was actually, I literally, this came up at work the other day. They were talking about uh, seeing Endgame. I was like, well, now I need to sit through, get Disney Plus, and just churn through the whole thing again mm-hmm. for the next 9,000 hours. Yeah, it's so worth doing because you see all these little details. And that was the thing it's like to me. like playing all the Kingdom Hearts games. <laughs> Which I also did. <laughs> Um, And that is the thing that, to me, proved this concept worked, but more importantly, turned it from, again, a bunch of successful superhero movies into a community Mm -hmm. and into something more. It cemented the idea that this wasn't just any other superhero movie. This was something different. And remember how I said earlier, this is the story of me finding confidence in, in my love of niche things and validating it. Because it took something that was very niche before, the comic book superhero genre, which and, and turned it into something that was popular and good. It was well-reviewed. And I think that's important, right? Like, we've seen summer popcorn blockbusters before the MCU. We'd seen, you know, like the Fantastic Four. It did fine at the theaters. It made some money. The people who made it profited. Cool, sweet. But it didn't connect anything. It didn't create a community. It didn't create a love around this of an entire genre and create fans that would follow these movies to their core, right? Like, or to their literal dying breath. (laughs) It didn't do that. They never tried to do that. And that was always something that bothered me about superhero movies before this, is I, as someone who likes lore and likes details, knew more about the movies than the people writing the movies seemed to know. Yep. That is, I feel like that is a core issue with a lot of the well, the movies that were churned out and just a lot of the content that seems to be churned out lately. Yeah. It was like, oh, I just saw Spider-Man. Wow. He's in New York. I just saw Fantastic Four. They're in New York. Guess they've never heard of each ne- other. Literally never, ever yep. run into one another. Which is so sad because, like, first off, the the 
they were so hokey in the first Fantastic Four movie, and the whole appeal of the comics was that they were real gritty and down-to-earth, dealing with shit like alcoholism, mm-hmm. exactly like Tony is in the Iron Man movie, exactly yep. like all the other issues of later. Fucking Iron Man, is it three where he's dealing with panic attacks and shit? Yep. <laughs> and again, that's, that's another good point, is... And again, I want to focus this in on Avengers. Mm-hmm. It it respects the audience and it treats the comic book as a serious thing. It treats it, it like adults. It takes itself stuff. seriously and says this is not a movie for like teenagers or kids. This is a movie for adults that kids can enjoy. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's that's huge. And that is, I think, that is the thing that took this from I was validated that these movies were doing well to all of a sudden the thing that I knew I loved now everyone else loved <laughs> and it wasn't weird anymore to like superheroes it was cool it was like people were making t-shirts who for superheroes like do you know how hard it was to get like an iron man t-shirt before the fucking iron man movie it was basically impossible okay it, it was either spider-man or nothing <laughs> you got spider-man stuff and that was it and it was like like so many things that I loved now started getting the respect they I felt that they deserved. And again, that instills a level of confidence. It is saying it, it to me, it meant all of a sudden I, I I know the things that I like are worthwhile. And I think you can see this reflected in the heck, my writing, because I start. I took my writing more seriously. I wanted to make it something that was serious. I didn't want to just write something that I could throw away. I wanted to make a universe of connected things. This is why I go super in deep in lore. Aaron can attest to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a lot of lore about the novel I'm writing that you as a reader would never see, but I have it because it matters to me. I want to be able to tell this universe of stories, which again, like I directly tie to the MCU. I think I like telling interconnected stories that carry on through the plot, through you know, multiple books or, or multiple perspectives or whatever it is. I, I like that. And I think the MCU is a contributor to that because the MCU is a series of cliffhanger of clever cliffhangers, right? That's the reason that people keep coming back to watch them. But then also like it, it made me confident, right? Because all of a sudden the thing that I'd picked out is cool. Everyone else agreed was cool. Mm-hmm. And that validated my taste. It proved that I knew what I was doing. And again, like it, gave me confidence <laughs> it mattered to me and that was one of the reasons like like avengers proved that this concept work it made it happen on a big screen it did a team-up movie that respected everyone and it helped solidify my confidence in in a way that I, I i don't think i've kind of attributed to it before but it did it and all of that like again wouldn't have mattered if that was the last movie we got but it wasn't, right? This MCU, the MCU told a story over 10 years and it did it successfully. And that brings me to the last two movies that I want to talk about, Captain Marvel and The Endgame. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about these two movies for different reasons. Um, so I'm going to actually start with Endgame, which by the way is Infinity War and Endgame together. I'm talking about both movies because they really are part one and part two of they the same movie. They are essentially Harry Potter's Deathly Hallows movie version where there's yes. book seven split into movie seven and eight. Yep. <laughs> so. Exactly. And I think I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that before Captain Marvel, because to me, Captain Marvel is more about setting up the future of the franchise than mm-hmm. it is about setting up 
what happened in, in Endgame and, onward, and, mm-hmm. and before. Um, but it was still connected. So Infinity War and Endgame, again, at this point, like, the cinematic universe has generated billions of dollars for Disney. It's a smash hit franchise. And it really, like, from a cultural impact, from an inspirational impact, Endgame didn't matter nearly as much to me as Iron Man did. But Endgame mattered because... And, and again, okay, so here's spoilers for Endgame. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. Okay, if you're still listening, you know there's spoilers coming. Iron Man fucking dies at the end of Endgame. And if you didn't know that, then congratulations. You are better at avoiding spoilers on the internet than I am. The only way I avoid it is because I saw it bef- like the day it came out or the weekend it came out. Mm-hmm. But Iron Man dies at the end. And he's not the only one who dies, but he's the real to me one that that matters because again remember like the the history of this story this story that i'm telling you started with iron man the first movie this character that his movie helped cement not only my love of superheroes but validated the fact that superheroes were more universal than people had given them credit for um the fact that it his his movies over the course of many years i followed religiously um, I saw every MCU movie, and many of the cases, the first arc of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Infinity War, I don't remember exactly what they call the first arc, but it's it's basically all of phases one, two, and three, I think. Starts with Iron Man and ends with Endgame. Those movies are the story of Iron Man. In many ways, you can see it throughout various different plots and in various different movies, how many of them Iron Man plays a part in. Um, You know, he has his own trilogy of movies within there. He's in all the Avengers movies. He's in the Civil War movie, which is technically a Captain America movie, but it is heavily focused on Iron Man. Isn't there, like, of the X-Teen movies, he's in, like, 13 of them? I think he's in 11 to 13, somewhere around there. And he's he's only got three Iron Man movies, but he's, like, a fucking key player like for those who don't know i almost had a inspired by episode about this very thing which is why i'm excited to like get to talk about it but like the he is such a an integral part of the marvel cinematic universe because without that first movie success we wouldn't have had the avengers initiative Mm -hmm. and i feel like in almost all their writing aside from very slight moments (laughs) throughout other movies it's focused on the actions and just results of tony stark it really is and like most of the villains whether they're a fucking iron man villain or not are inspired by tony fucking stark yep so like he is so big in this entire plot point that he is the end cap on this whole phase three phase one phase two saga the infinity saga Uh uh-huh yep and to me, there was this fear when I started watching the MCU that the end of Tony Stark and Robert Downey... Because I knew Robert Downey Jr. as an actor was going to have to retire, right? Like, Tony Stark <laughs> couldn't exist forever. It's not like the comics where you can have a story with Spider-Man for 70 years because... But you can reboot Spider-Man him three ages. times in seven. <laughs> yep. But, um, to... <laughs> but um, you, you can't do that with real people, right? So I knew Robert Downey Jr. was going to age out of the role eventually. He was going to want to retire and move on. And I knew that was going to be a reality. And to me, there was this fear that the MCU, for me, would stop being interesting without Tony Stark in it. Mm-hmm. But Endgame did something that I don't think anyone was really expecting it to do. It, it 
sent off the heroes in a respectful way. It treated them with respect as characters. It gave them real endings to their arcs and showed a, a willingness to do things with heroes that, you know, normal billion dollar movies aren't willing to do. It, again, like Iron Man dies. We'll, we'll never get another Iron Man story that happens after Endgame because he's dead. Unless they reboot the universe, which, I don't know, 20 years from now they might do. I don't think they're going to do it anytime soon. But that matters. And it, it, it mattered to me because it, again, it solidified the idea that this was a real story. This wasn't a popcorn flick. I mean, it is a popcorn flick. Like, you go there because they're big blockbusters. It wasn't a B movie that you could just throw away. Yeah, it's more than that. It's not like Spider-Man 3 that does all this cringy, weird stuff and then does a weird ending. Like, Spider-Man 3 isn't the greatest movie, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but it, it doesn't do that with its characters. It respects them, it respects their source material, and it respects the history that the audience had with them. And seeing a story like that end, I think, matters a lot to me as a writer. It, you know, it means a lot. It, 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 it shows me ways that I can end characters like this or, or treat characters respectfully like this. Not that I haven't seen that before, but the MCU did it on screen and it did it in a movie that was filled with other characters and it made this intensely personal story and told this story across 10 years of redemption. It told a story of a selfish billionaire from 2008 who turned into a man who sacrificed himself to save the world even when he knew it meant leaving behind his child. Saved the universe. <laughs> saved the universe. Saved everything. And that is a really human story. It's told through a superhero lens but it's basically the story of a dad trying to do right by his kid. Like, it's it's powerful, it's moving, and it means a lot. And it ended well. And I bring that up because, remember what I said earlier, I thought this was going to be my end of interest with MCU. Because I was interested for the original five. This is what got me in there. I was a fan from the start. But then there was another movie that came out. And it came out before Endgame, so I'm telling this out of order for dramatic effect. But Captain Marvel did something else. Captain Marvel gave me another hero that I loved. Because I've changed a lot in 10 years. My name's changed. My downstairs have changed. <laughs> a lot has changed with me in 10 years. And I, at times, thought that I wouldn't want to have a part of the MCU anymore if I didn't have that history with it. I thought this about Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts 3 changed my mind about that. I thought this about the MCU. And then I saw Captain Marvel. I saw this awesome, badass female superhero who in many ways has elements that are tied into other badass female superheroes I've wanted to write about. Um, and it was done in a way that gave me a new hero to fall in love with. And I have. Like, Captain Marvel is my new favorite hero. Captain Marvel is the reason I want to go see a bunch of new MCU movies. I love her arc. I love her story. I love her style. And Brie Larson is hot, which is definitely not a factor, I swear. <laughs> um, but to me, Captain Marvel is a hero for a new era. The MCU is doing new things. It's starting a new arc. You know, I expect another 10 years of story and we'll see where that goes. But mm -hmm. there's something new about it. And this character I see and recognize and see a lot of aspects of myself that I wish I had in many of the same ways that I did as a kid watching Iron Man. And there's a new torchbearer, I guess. And 
it means that I'm excited for the future of the MCU, which I didn't think I'd be after Iron Man died. But here we are, and I'm talking about <laughs> it on a podcast, and I love it. And the reason I bring up these two movies is they show that you can do that you can end an era right. You can treat characters right and send them off even if they make you billions of dollars. And you can do it in a way that also lets you start a brand new era with new characters and set up new stories that you can tell. Again, even though the old ones would have made you billions of dollars. <laughs> Having an end to a very important part of your life or a chapter of a story when you know it's the right time to end. Yep. Even if you don't want to see it go. <laughs> exactly. It's way too easy, and I think I'd fault Kingdom Hearts for this, because I kind of have. Like, It's way too easy to end a story and then say, well, that's not really the end, and leave the door open. Leave a question mark uh, on the screen. Right. Like, It's so easy to not give a satisfying conclusion, and yet Endgame did. And they recognize that there are other ways to tell a story in a cinematic universe that doesn't rely on a certain set of characters always being there, which I wish sometimes other things had. And I think it shows me that I am. I used to be the kind of person who wanted to write stories that I could always come back to, that I could always write another story with this character, that I could always write another story with this protagonist. But if there's one thing that the MCU has shown me, it's okay to move on. It's okay for heroes to change. It's okay for people to die. It's okay. <laughs> there are going to be other things in the future, and there are other stories that you can explore. Okay, I've talked a lot. I, I don't know if I've made as many valid points as I wanted to because I recognize that this episode had far fewer notes than my other episodes have. But all of this brings me back to the thing that I said right at the start. This is the story of how the things that I loved were validated and turned into something more. These things became things that were bigger than me, things that were bigger than many of us, Again, it's the most successful movie franchise in the world. But above all, it's successful because it respects its source material. It treats its audience incredibly smartly, intelligently, yeah, whatever. It treats them <laughs> with respect, and it shows the characters the respect they deserve. And it does things with a billion-dollar franchise that other companies might be afraid to do. Cough, DC cough. <laughs> and it does it all in a way that generates movies that are critically acclaimed and acclaimed by audiences. These are not just movies that are fun to watch in a big screen and then you never think about them again. These are movies that will stick with you, that will make you think about the things to come, and that have changed a decade of movie watching for me. All of that and so much more are the things that still inspire me about these movies and then have changed the way I've thought about writing, the way I've interacted with the world. Again, I don't go watch other movies anymore. I just go watch Marvel movies. They're literally like the only thing I go see at a, a, a theater anymore because they have a little bit of everything for me and I'm stupidly invested in the franchise. And they're rewarding for, for, for me and, and I think for many others. And so all of those reasons and all of those things bring me back to the person I am today is much more confident because the MCU was successful. And that might be the weirdest thing that I've ever said or, or thought about, but it's validating and it matters and it tells a story that's interesting and I'm excited about the future of it. And it's handled so respectfully. There hasn't been one that is like, wow, this is a crappy movie, cough. 
um, solo cough. Right? Like, it's a franchise handled well for an audience that really adores it. And it's given me um, a community that I can interact with. It's given me interactions with friends and, and, and people that I, I may not have met before. It's given me an incredible bonding moment with my partner. It matters. All of those are the reasons why I'm still inspired by the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Thanks for listening. Inspired by is a Story Thus Far Network podcast. You can email us thoughts about the show, topic ideas, or anything else that you want to discuss at staff at storythusfar.com. If you want to see other things we've made, come check out our website at www.storythusfar.com. You can also find us on Twitter at at storythusfar or on Facebook at facebook.com slash storythusfar. If you'd like to connect with our community, you can find us on Reddit at r slash storythusfar and on Discord, which we'll have links to in the description. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inspired By. Join us next week when Aaron tells us about a group of five girls, a whole bunch of jobs in a very creative and very overworked industry, and uh, a little white box. Thanks for listening.